Well, if I was going to title the service tonight, the title would be Love. It's in there. Okay? It'll make more sense as we go along. So, I wanted to start you off with John 3, 15 through 17. Glory to God. It'll be in the King James. It says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen? Now we've heard those a whole bunch, and the, uh, the guys in the screen room have a slide for you. Just, it helps me. It may not help anybody else, but it helps me. So if you would put that up. Can you read that for me? Yeah, everybody's thinking, don't walk on the grass, right, everybody? Raise your hands for me. That's what you see? All right. The reason I put that up there is when we hear something like John 3.16, we go through, and when somebody says John 3.16, we go, for God so loved the world, He gave His only God, His Son, and we run through it. That actually doesn't say don't walk on the grass. It says don't walk on the, the grass. It's a typo because people have seen the sign so many times and they've heard it talked about and they've seen it in their life or heard it from somebody else to where you just walk right through it. And you don't actually take the time to read it and glean all of the revelation and all of the light off of it. You just rush right through it. And so when we go to a, a, a scripture like John 3.16... We've heard it so many times, but it's alive. It's life-changing. All of the gospel is wrapped up in it. The love of God is shed abroad on us, through us, to others. And if we won't take the time to look at a scripture and go, wow, look at that. Every time I read it, I saw this in a, in a class one time. And it made me the next time I heard John 3.16 go, wow. And for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, any of us, that would believe in Him, we wouldn't perish. But we would have life eternal Life everlasting. You see, there's so much in it that that people could teach on it for years and years and years and years and years and have. But there's still more light in it. The love of God, we can't fathom. We can't understand how wide and how high and how thick it is. Our minds, God's ways are higher than ours. Our minds can't understand that Just those two or three words. Love of God. You see, in our society, we love cats and dogs and computers and pages and chairs. and We love everything. So we don't have a concept of what the real, true word love means. We don't have an understanding of it. Because we can love inanimate objects. We can love anything. And we throw it out there... Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love that. I love this. I love that over there. And we just throw it out frivolously. It doesn't mean anything to us. But to God, it's Him. It's who He is. It's the very nature of God. And so, I wanted you to look at one other word at the end of verse 17. That word, saved. And I looked over it for years because, honestly, I grew up denominationally and they taught me so much, but there was some areas they just didn't know. And they're learning. They're like me. Um, When uh, Brother Kenneth 
somebody yelled and told him, you aren't teaching the whole oracles of God. He goes, I don't know all the oracles of God, the whole oracle. You know, that's the way I am. I, I'm believing to learn and learn all I can. But that word saved is the Greek word sozo. And what I like about it so much, once I started understanding it, it doesn't just mean salvation. There's so much more in one word. It means to heal. It means to preserve. It means to save. But it also means to do well, to be whole, or to make whole. So when you look at it from that sense, God said, I didn't send my son into the world to condemn the world. But I sent him that the world through him might be saved, might be healed, might be whole, might be made whole. So if you're in need of something, in the past, in the Bible, you see people come to Jesus and he says, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees said, they scoffed at him and said, who are you? He goes, well, which is easier? Be made whole or your sins are forgiven. You see, the assignment of Jesus was that they were saved. That assignment entailed salvation and healing and being whole in every part of their life. And so for him, his assignment was the same. Be whole or be saved. He didn't care. He wanted all of it for you. How many of you go to the buffet and you only go to the salad bar and you never touch anything else? See, I knew there'd be somebody. That's not me. I want to try a lot of it. A lot of different things and a lot of quantity. So, and it's the same with Jesus. He wanted everybody he came in contact with to have all of it. To have everything he knew he was going to pay for. He knew He was going to pay for your sickness and your disease. And He was going to pay for your sins and your iniquities. He knew He had it all covered. The bill's covered. Just sit down and eat. Whatever you want, get it. Because I paid for all of it. Take it. Whatever you need. You see, that's Jesus. That's the love that He has for us. Can you bring the volume down just a little? That's the love that He has for us. So much so that He was willing to die for us. To, to take our place. Go to 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10. In this way, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, into the world, that we might live through Him. Verse 10. Herein is love. That's what He's saying. That's the definition of love. I gave my only Son. Herein is the whole amount of love. It's everything you stand in need of. I gave my Son. And you're going to find out all of the stuff He paid for by me giving Him to you. For eternity, it's going to continue to be revealed. You're going to go through life and go, oh, wow, he paid for that too. And then we're going to be in eternity and go, wow, did you know he did? And it's going to happen endlessly. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. How many of you know what propitiation means? Glory to God. You're smarter than I was. I had to look it up. So, I had to pull it up because uh, I liked all of the rest of the verse and I just wanted to know what propitiation means. And so I looked it up and it said it was two parts. One involves appeasing the wrath of an offended person. The other part is to be reconciled back to Him. So, when we sinned, we were separated 
from God. The propitiation of our sin is Jesus paying the price, paying the assignment. But not only did He pay it, He reconciled us back to the Father. Just as if before we sinned. Glory to God. That's like that justified. I always heard it justified, never sinned. That's kind of the way I always remember justified. We were justified through Christ. Just if I had never sinned, that's what He did for me. Glory to God. The message in that last part says, But He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Glory to God. 1 John 2. 1. I'm going to get you in the Word today. We're going to go through some scriptures. 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I want you to remember that. He's the righteous. When the Bible says you're the righteous, you're pretty righteous. Amen? Glory to God. <laughs> go to 1 John 4, 16. We'll go a little farther back. This verse says that God is love. And then verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Now, I didn't really have a, a way to understand that boldness in the day of judgment until I had kids. And if you've got kids, you can tell the moment they look at you if they think they're in trouble or not. Because if they don't think they're in trouble, it doesn't matter what you're doing. They have boldness to run right into the middle of you and tell you what's going on and where everything is. They're, they're bold because they're unashamed. They know your dad. And they're going to come right up to you no matter where you are. And they want your attention. Because they're unashamed. They're bold. Well, in years past, I used to carry a Butterfinger in my shirt pocket when we traveled. And uh wasn't always a good chance to, to get to eat much right before you set up and did the audio check and stuff like that. And so I carried one in my shirt so that as soon as I had a minute, I could get a bite to eat. Well, my boy... Ryan, he liked Butterfingers. And he didn't travel with us all the time, but any time he was with us, he knew there was one Butterfinger on the property, no matter where we were. And he also knew that I didn't care if he got it. That I'd rather do without to see the smile on his face when he comes running around and he hugs you and then that hand leaves your back and starts sticking into your shirt pocket. You see, he knew it would be there. And, and he was unashamed and bold to come to me anytime he wanted, hug me and get that and go off smiling. That was the boldness, unashamed. He, as soon as he did that, I knew he'd been doing what I asked. He was a good kid. Because if he come around the corner and he's like, Dad, can I have a Butterfinger? I'm like, what'd you do? You already know. Something happened. What, what happened? You know what? And here comes this whole story so he can have a Butterfinger. But that's that boldness that we can have. And so when you look at that, that our love is made perfect so that we can go to God boldly. At the day of judgment, you can walk up and say, Hey, Dad, I'm here. Glory to God. Where are we going next? Because it shouldn't be scary. 
It's just like coming home to your dad's house. You don't walk up and go... Because you're scared to go in. You just walk up and go, hey, dad, I'm home. You announce yourself. You go in. You talk with dad. That's the way it ought to be with God. Because he loves us. (laughs) You guys okay? Go to 1 John 3, 1. This, for me, is the epitome of the love of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the whole world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. But there's no greater love than to be called a son of the Most High God. A God that numbers the stars, that calls them by name. A God that speaks something, and for eternity it continues to grow. That's a big God. And He calls you son. Glory to God. I was thinking as I was studying about Joseph... And we all know the story of Joseph. But I was just thinking, if, if ever a man had a situation that he could get downcast, Joseph was there. Joseph was born into a big family and his dad really liked him, so he was a happy kid. And then as he grew up, he realized that his brothers didn't. That they resented him, they, did, they despised him. So much so that they were going to kill him, but one of the brothers got in the way and they decided they'd throw him in a pit. And then when that brother came back, he was gone. They had sold him into slavery. And he was sent off to Egypt to be bought as a slave. And he was bought into Potiphar's house. And God showed up and gave him favor. And everything he touched prospered so much that Potiphar was so excited and he put him over all of his stuff. Well, things look pretty good for Joseph. And then his wife lied on him. And so Potiphar didn't really have a choice. He threw him into prison. Well, he had everything going pretty good for a little while. And then now here he is back in the the bottom of a prison. They weren't nice. They didn't have direct TV. They didn't have increased learning programs. They didn't teach you a skill and a trade and try to get you put back into the community. You were in a dungeon. You ate whatever was available. It wasn't a pretty place. And here he is, but he made the most of it. And so he's helping and he's, he's walking in and he's happy. And he's like, hey guys. And they're like, why are you happy? You're in prison. So much so that they let him kind of take charge of stuff. Well then, he thought he had a big chance. And the baker came down and they, they had dreams. And he interpreted them and they, God carried them out just like he said. And they forgot about him. One of them died. The other one went on and never brought him up. Well, then Pharaoh had a dream. And after a period of time, Joseph was brought out and he got to interpret this dream for Pharaoh. And I wanted you to look at Genesis 41 and 40. Because immediately, this is what Pharaoh said. Genesis 41 and 40. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in this throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I think he saw the look on his face. Because he told him in the verse before, You'll be over my house, and according to your word, everything in my kingdom is going to happen. Only my throne is going to separate us. And Joseph, 
the look on his face had to be intense because the next one, Pharaoh says, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. I think Joseph was going, oh my goodness. The, the Pharaoh was like, hey, come on, look, see, this is what I did. And Pharaoh took a ring off his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he arrayed him with vesture of fine linen and put a, chain, a gold chain around his neck. And he made him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. I want to encourage you. This was one moment in Joseph's life. It didn't matter what he went through before. Now he is second over the whole kingdom. And Pharaoh's just going to sit back and let him rule and sit on the throne. All I want is this seat. You take care of everything else. I've seen that you've got the wisdom of God on your life. And God shows you stuff. So I'm going to sit down on this throne and I'm over you but only because of the throne everything else in my kingdom you take care of God brought him there in a moment from the dung heap below the dung heap to wherever where he walked people bowed down to him that everything he said was carried out if Joseph said, I want a ditch from here to there, people would fight over themselves to be the ones in the ditch to dig the ditch for Joseph. That is ruling and reigning. And that's what God did for Joseph because he loved him. He was, he was a God-fearing man. And he grew up in a hardship and, and he didn't get discouraged. He kept believing in God and praying to God and seeking the kingdom of God. And in a moment, God brought him from nothing up to where his whole family later would come to him. That his whole family would later move in and they would get a part of the kingdom because the Pharaoh, he had such favor with him. God can do that for each one of us. God loves each one of us the same. He's no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what you've been through or where, where you came out of. In one moment, God can introduce you to your Pharaoh. He can set you apart. Everything you stand in need of is in love. It's all in there. All you got to understand is God loves me. Jesus loves me. All of the rest of it's going to happen. Go to Galatians 3. On your way there, have the screens. Let's put up Psalms 34, 19. You don't have to turn there. This is a scripture Joseph probably wishes wasn't in there. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. I bet Joseph, he thought he made it out. He got to Potiphar's house and it was going good. And another affliction. And then he got into the, the cell and he, it was terrible, but God brought him out of it. And then he got to go to Pharaoh's house. So many are the afflictions. You can't pray for the afflictions to go away. But you can stand and know that he's going to bring you out of them. Just like he did with Joseph. Galatians 3 and 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. For if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, when I was reading that, that part about putting on Christ. We watch TV and movies and 
You see people... Well, let's back up to this. When somebody says, are you righteous? How many of you are righteous? Glory to God. The rest of you will be before we're done. When we say something like that, or when you see a scripture that says we put on Christ, our religious background bails in the way. Christ. Oh my. I'm too unworthy, Lord, to come to you. So would you please come down to me? We get all this religious stuff coming in and how I'm not worthy. You don't know what I've done. You don't know this. You don't know that. But yet we can go to a cinema and we can have the villain put on this rubber mask and put on this little piece of tape and put on some clothes and he can look like one of the good guys. And when he talks, his voice changes to the voice of the good guy. He put on that man. No matter what was on the inside of him, everybody that looked at him, all they saw was the good guy. All they saw was the, the person that, that's the hero, that's the good guy, that's the best guy in the movie. He's the only one they see. All of that dirt and and filth and and whoever the villain is underneath, they can't see it. Do you know God did that and made that available to you? He gave us the ability to put on His Son, Jesus. To change our voice. And He did something even far beyond that. He chose that if you would do that... He would only see His Son, the righteous Jesus. And then He went even farther than that. He said, all you got to do is believe on My Son and you can put Jesus on. You can become the righteousness of God through Him. And many of you are going, I don't understand that, but... 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful. And He'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, if all of your unrighteousness is gone, what's left? Righteousness. So if we can believe in 1 John 1, 9, we know we can be made righteous. And so when we put on Christ and we walk out of this place, we put on the ability... To be tempted and not fall. The ability to look into somebody and only see what Jesus would see. To only be able to speak what the Father would speak through Jesus. We have the ability to step into that. And not only that, we have the ability for God to honor our word the same as He did Jesus. Glory to God. Go back to Isaiah 44. 44 and 24. Thus saith the Lord... uh, Let's go to NIV. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb... I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by Myself. Verse 25. Who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense. 26. Who carries out the words of His servants. This is the God who formed the heavens and the earth. This is the God that spoke stars into existence. The one who holds them up with the word, His word. And He said, I will carry out the words of my servants. So much so, you got Joshua in a battle. And he's fighting away. 
And he sees that if the sun goes down, they're going to lose. And he says, son, stand still. And it does. Everything in the universe had to stop. The brakes went on every star, every galaxy. Everything had to stop. And it stopped for some 20-some hours, almost a full day, at the word of his servant. Hezekiah got sick. And the Lord sent Isaiah and said, you get your stuff in order, you're going to die. It's bad when the word of the Lord comes and he goes, you know, you call for the man of God because you're sick. And the man of God walks in and he goes, hey, the Lord says, get it together, man, you're going home. Well, Hezekiah falls down, puts sackcloth and ashes on, and he cries out to the Lord. And before Isaiah gets very far, the Lord hears him, and he sends Isaiah back. And he comes in, and he goes, Hezekiah, the Lord's heard you. And he's granted you 15 more years. And he says, not only that, but just so you know it's true, do you want the shadow to go forward or backward? And Hezekiah said, well, it's easy to go forward. Let's move it back. And so at the word of a man, God rolled the shadow back to let him know he'd have 15 more years. That is the word of the Lord. He carries out the word of His servants. So much so that when Jesus was here, when He spoke something, it came to pass. When he cursed a fig tree, it dried up at the roots. When he told them to grab the tax money out of the first fish they caught, they opened their mouth, tax money's in there. That's what our God does. That's how much he loves us. (laughs) It's amazing. Go to John chapter 1. One and one. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse two. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse three. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now go to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus wasn't just a man. He was the Son of God. But He wasn't just the Son of God. He was the Word of God made flesh. And so... When you look at all of the things Jesus did, if you'll go back to Isaiah 55 and 11. It says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Then go back to Psalms 107, verse 20. It says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. You see, Jesus had an assignment when He came to earth. He was the word. He was made into flesh. And according to Philippians, He laid aside His mighty weight and stature and become like a man. He laid all of the deity aside, but He didn't think it was wrong to be equal with God. But He laid aside the deity and He walked as a man. And this was His assignment. 
He was the Word. And God sent His Word to heal people. He sent His Word to deliver you from destruction. He sent His Word to love you. And so when Jesus got to earth, He had no choice. He said, I have come to do the will of the One who sent me. I can of mine own self do nothing. I don't make my own doctrine. The One who sent me, He's the one that did it. Because He was the Word. When He came to a sick person, everything in Him that was the Word says, we have to heal Him. That's what you're here for. You're the Word. And the Word was sent to Him. And when the Word shows up, healing has to come. Deliverance has to come. They have to be pulled out of destruction. They have to be pulled up out of the mire and the dirt because God sent His Word. And His Word had an assignment. And God Himself said, My Word won't come back to me void. Jesus had to stay till He fulfilled the call of the Word. The Word had to be done. That's why He said on the cross, It's finished. It's completed. Everything you sent me to do, I've done. The job of the Word is now finished. Now I can come home. But until that happened, He had an assignment. He had to complete. And He loved you and I so much that He bore it all. Being spit on and ridiculed. Going into His hometown and people calling Him names. And who is this? Isn't He Joseph's brother? the disdain that must have been in their voices. And yet he loved them. And he went to the next town. Even in his own hometown, he said, they said he couldn't do any mighty works, but he did heal a few. You see, they disdained him, and yet he loved them so much out of all of that, he still got to heal a few people. When somebody, When you walk into somebody's house and they don't want you there at all, about all you want to do is get out of it. And here he is in his hometown and his people are against him so much. But he loves them so much that all of the ones that will let him, he heals. Glory to God. That's love. Second Corinthians 5. And 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We put on Christ. We're a new creature. Those old habits, they're dead. They're gone. And unless you choose to dredge them up, when you ask for forgiveness, God's never going to bring them back up. He forgets about them. Isn't it amazing? A God who is all-knowing, all-seeing, omnipresent, knows the end from the beginning. And He chooses every time one of His kids says, I'm sorry, to lock that away and throw it out. And never ever bring it up again. Glory to God. <laughs> he loves us. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about a gift. Romans 5, verse 16. Because a lot of times whenever we, uh, we talk about righteousness... A lot of people grew up similar to what I did. And uh, I wouldn't trade the way I grew up for anything. Because it really did help form me into who I am. As I grew up, I grew up in an area that wasn't as prosperous as others, but we didn't know it. Not till later on and we look back. And my brother was quicker and sharper than I was. And so, all the way through school, it was a small school. My graduating class had 11 people in it. 
And so my brother was a couple of years older than I was. And so he would have the teacher two years before I did because they hardly ever changed. And uh, so when I would get there, there would be comments. You're not your brother, are you? Well, your brother did that in two days. Well, your brother understood that. Well, your brother got an A in my class. Well, your brother... And I heard that a lot. And I barely made it through most of school. I was really excited if I got a plus on a D. I thought that was just great. And I was, I was beat with that for years. And my brother beat me at everything for years and years. And then one day, I beat him in basketball. And so I turned to sports because I knew I could beat him there. And so I got better and better to the point he just didn't want to play anymore. And then something changed in my mind one day. And I thought, if I could beat him in basketball, I bet I can beat him in something else. And so my thought process changed. And I went from being one of the last kids in my class to being the second kid in my big 11-person class. Moved up a whole eight or nine people. But my mind changed. And I went from thinking when I went into something that I couldn't do it to thinking I'm going to beat everybody in it. You see... That's what righteousness does. Unrighteousness is condemnation. Unrighteousness is feeling demeaned and unworthy. Feeling like you just can't complete it. Doesn't matter what it is, I just don't know if I can do it. I failed this many times and this is probably just another one. That's unrighteousness. But something changed in my mind. And I went from thinking that I might be able to beat him in basketball to knowing that if I put something in my head, there wasn't anybody that could beat me in it. And I started trying to be better in every area than anybody else. I started trying with everything I was to remember everything that I was told, to be able to do more and to say more and to be able to understand what was going on because I'd been left out so much. Well, if unrighteousness is trying to come on you, you're going to feel that same way. You're going to feel like you can't really speak bold and unashamed because this moment you do, the thought of the dog you kicked on the way out of the house or you yelled at your wife as you got into the car, Or whatever it is is going to come back and haunt you. But I want to show you this free gift. Go back to that in 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment, was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses to justification. 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. You see, it's a free gift. How many of you like free stuff? We used to work with a lady and every time there was food available, she would say, FFTB. Free food tastes better. She talked about that quite a bit. FFTB. We'd have something in the office. She'd come through and, yes, you can have it. Oh, FFTB. And she'd walk out. Well, this is free. It's a gift. The only thing you have to do is accept it and put on the righteousness of God. He loved you so much, He didn't want you left out. 
He doesn't want you hurting in any environment, in any part of your life. He doesn't want you hurting in your finances. He doesn't want you hurting in your mind, feeling like you're unworthy. He doesn't want you hurting physically. He doesn't want you to go to hell, so He paid a price for it too. He paid it all. The love of God, it's all in there. Everything you stand in need of is in and a part of and paid for by the love of God. Glory to God. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Glory to God. We are adopted. We are engrafted. I keep running over it because I keep looking out across and, and I keep seeing this almost blank look like, really me? And I want you to understand, really, you. Really. He did it for you. He paid the way so that you wouldn't have to. So that you wouldn't need to suffer. Yeah, you're going to go through affliction. But he said he'd deliver you out of it. He said there'd be trials. But he said he'd deliver you. He said you'd be tempted. He was. But he's always make a way for you to get out. Glory to God. You've been engrafted into the family of God. I've jumped through those notes so many times, I don't even know for sure which is where. So we're going to leave them. They they apparently didn't come out in the right order. I must have missed something whenever I came out because we've kind of skipped page to page all the way through. So God... uh, God gave us a gift. And He gave us an ability to share this gift with everybody we meet. He gave us an ability to be able to walk into somebody's life and not have to say anything. Smith Wigglesworth was in a train one time and he was sitting there quietly. And somebody came in and then they left and They came back in and said, you convinced me of sin. Well, he didn't say anything. It was the love of God. It was God all over him. That's us. We put on Christ. We put on to where when we speak, um, I won't use the, the name of the commercial, but how many of you know the insurance commercial where every time they talk, the other guy's voice shows up? Right? Well... You got that point across because now there is, what's the word? They're substantiated in what they said because you heard the other guy's voice. Whenever that happens, you know that it's backed. You know that everything they're saying is true and backed by the company 
Because every time they start to say something, this low voice, and it comes out because that's in line with what the company says. When we put on Christ, we have that same ability. You see, when we come into a situation and they're like, oh, I'm sick, I'm hurt, I just, the, the doctor says this, the doctor says that, and you say, you shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. That voice from God just came down and they got to see a piece of Jesus because that's who you put on. When you stepped into that, you were speaking the Word of God and it's backed by God, by heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one of His words is going to go home void. And so when you speak His Word, they see and hear Jesus. When you put on Jesus and you walk out and you start decreeing and declaring, the Word of God says, He'll honor the words of His servants. He'll carry them out. So when we speak in line with Him, in 1 John where it talks about that if we speak anything and ask anything according to His will, we know He hears us. And if we know He hears us and it's according to His will, we know we have that petition. Well, it's the same in every area of our life. It's not just restricted to the ones everybody talks about, healing or prosperity. It's which loaf of bread you want at the store. It's every decision that you make. The will of God is for you to have the best. And He paid for it. He bought it. And when we put it on and we walk into the grocery store, people are going to want to know what happened. Especially if you didn't have Him on the last time you were in there. <laughs> Glory to God. He made us a way to become righteous. So how many are righteous now? Glory to God, stand on your feet. <laughs> He's good to us, isn't He? I just wanted to encourage you that no matter what you're going through, no matter where you came out of, God can put you up on top. God can take you from the dunghill. And place you with princes. Glory to God. <laughs> I am walking proof that He can do that. Glory to God. What a great God we serve. Isn't it amazing? I look out at all you guys, everybody smiling and happy. That's the way it ought to be every minute of our life. No down days. No upset. <laughs> Just smooth and easy. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.